to The Geek in Review, the podcast designed to cover the legal information profession with a slant toward technology and management. I'm Marlene Gaybauer. And I'm Greg Lambert. So, Happy New Year, Marlene. Happy New Year, Greg. <laughs> it's good to be back from the hiatus. Uh, I did a little family traveling and a little too much food and drink, although some of those drinks were recommended by Courtney Selby from her beer episode. So, it was, you know, it was research is what it was. Did you have a favorite? Um, you know, I tried the two-hearted ale, uh, mm-hmm. which was which was funny because when I got to my son's uh, apartment in Memphis, um, he goes, "Dad, I got you some beer," and it was two-hearted ale. So, See? yeah, maybe, so maybe I, he listened. No, he didn't listen. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, before we jump into this week's episode, I did want to mention that one of our peers, uh, David Wayland, uh, he's the library director up at the Law Society of Ontario in Toronto, Canada. And he's a fellow blogger, and a lot of people probably have have seen his blog. His twin brother, Paul, was detained by the Russian government on claims of being an American spy. So we've seen David on CNN. He just wrote an op-ed in the Washington Post and a couple of other uh, newspapers. I saw that. You know, really just wanted to... Uh, say that we hope that, that David gets his brother back uh, to his family safely and speedily. Yeah, certainly do. So over the break, I I jumped into what I referred to now as the technology twilight zone. Um, I had three things that happened. Sounds spooky. I know, it was spooky. Ooh, I can hardly wait to hear this. There were three things technology-related uh, over the past couple of weeks that happened to me. And I'm sure that you know, when you look back on it, they're all explainable or they're just happenstances or coincidence, but I found them all to be a little eerie. So let me walk you through what, what happened. All right, I'm ready. Deep breath, deep breath. One of the things that happened, <laughs> so one of the things that happened was my wife and daughter were at Michael's Crafts and Supply Store. That's scary right there. <laughs> Exactly. So they were there a few days ago, and they were looking at some of those labeling tools. And so they found something that was that was they thought was pretty cool, but it was an unusual labeling tool. And I think it was a little expensive, so they they decided not to buy it. But the next day, my wife Jan is on Amazon and looking for something else. And right at the top of the page on Amazon is the same exact unique labeling tool and they had they hadn't looked at it on amazon before they hadn't looked at labeling tools on amazon before and yet there was the same tool that they'd seen at michael's so they just looked at it like they didn't they didn't scan it or anything like they just looked at it they just looked at it put it back did they talk about it um i think other than than that well they talked about it after they they saw it again (laughs) <laughs> so anyways i i chalked it up to just weird so maybe they were buying something else that was related and you know this was the next thing in the giant ai algorithm that is is amazon anyways be. it was weird so then so that was the first one so the next experience i wouldn't say is eerie but it's something that i found that was really really interesting and so I was at my son's drinking that two-hearted ale, <laughs> and he has a yes. he he has a gaming system, and we were playing a game called Rocket League, where you drive cars around and you try to push a ball into a goal. It's kind of like car soccer. Yeah, um, um, my kids play that one too. It's a fun okay. game. <laughs> well, there were four of us playing, and it was four against four, and we thought initially that it was going to be four of us versus four computer 
cars, but it ended up being two of us with two computer players and then two of them and two two computer players. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's that was the setup. And in the middle of the game, uh, my daughter, the same one from the Michael story, by the way, she was losing pretty badly against me and my son. And mostly because, not because we were great players, but because the computer cars uh, that were driving on the team were scoring the most. And right in the middle of it, she yells out that, quote, your AI is better than ours and it isn't fair, unquote. So I didn't catch it at first, but she mentioned it again a few goals later after the computer was scoring again. And what, you know, then it hit me and I was like, well, you know, what we used to call playing the computer, she calls playing the AI. And so when Mm -hmm. I mentioned it to her, she said that that's what the game calls it. And it turns out she's right. So I found Mm -hmm. articles going all the way back to uh, 2015 that mention computer players as AI. And I had no clue that the term was so prevalent in the gamer industry. Yeah, my my son um, does the same thing, and, and you know we've we've kind of had conversations about it in terms of, of you know what is what does AI mean to him, sort of in this this gaming situation, and basically how he, you know, he kind of explains it is you know the car, your companion car, pretty much is programmed to do certain things. It's programmed to understand where the ball is. It's programmed to understand where you know, the, the um, opponent cars are or where their obstacles and maneuvers around them. And, you know, you can set the level in terms of, of the intelligence. And, you know, as, you know, the harder it becomes, of course, you know, the harder it is for you too, but the better the, the computer player is. So, yeah, it's, it's it, you know, he says the same thing. You know, it's like, he's, it's like, hey, hey and, I, and he goes, what else would it be? <laughs> well, the, you know, the thing that I miss is the old Atari games where the same exact move always, you know, scored. So, oh, well. I, 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 well, you know, I, I miss adventure. Okay? <laughs> oh, that's true, yeah. <laughs> the, the dot matrix printer and, and, and playing adventure and, and mapping it all out go. because, you know, I didn't have to have any type of dexterity to do that. I just had to, you know, have a map and think about there it. You go. Had to have, have brains over skill. Yeah. Is that right? <laughs> I don't know. I think I guess, yeah. <laughs> All right, so let me let me tell you the third story which is the the scariest. Um so my sister-in-law was down from Colorado over the holidays. So you might remember me mentioning her during the infamous mm, beer episode. I do. She was telling a story about how the GPS tool weighs. Mm-hmm. Do you use that? Yes, I do. I, I use it too. My kids call me a, a reverse narc after I put where the police are. So. <laughs> I do. I always, I always hit the button if they're there. I want everybody to know. Yeah, absolutely. It saved, Sorry, it saved me a couple of times. So mm-hmm. I, I don't think the police are listening, right? So she was talking about ways bringing drivers in, back in, onto her country uh, road. She lives on a, on a back road in Colorado. And the way it brings them in is, is kind of an, an odd, somewhat dangerous way. And there's this sharp S-curve uh, a little less than a mile from her house that isn't very well lit at night. And she was pretty sure that someone was going to hit the tree that is in that curve. So let me preface the next part of this story with everyone is okay. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so my other daughter went to go visit her aunt for New Year's, and sure enough, she was using Waze. 
she came up on the corner, not expecting the sharp curve. It had been snowing and raining, and so there was a little. The roads were slick. She hit a little patch of ice and had a very low speed, but very car crunching crash with with oh. the tree. Yeah. Oh dear. So sadly, she had not been in on that conversation with her mom and aunt. <laughs> or yes. she might have been better prepared for that curve. She should have gone to Michael's. Is what Absolutely. She should have done. <laughs> so the sad news is that the car was totaled. The good oh, news no. is that no person was hurt. And even better news is now that S curve will be forever known as Rachel's curve. So, <laughs> so those are my three Twilight Zone moments. And again, probably all can be explained. But just some weird happenings uh, and, and interesting happenings over the break. Well, first, let me say I am very relieved that Rachel is okay. But you know, it's you know, you're telling, you're saying this, and it's like we have a similar problem in my neighborhood. Um, ours is a very short and narrow street, and used to be, I think, um, what you would call a carriage road. So it it loops up and around the main street, and you know, since this is country living, there's no sidewalks. So apparently, uh, this is this is just a hair shorter to use this residential street than the main road. So more and more often, GPS is directing delivery trucks and, and other non-residents onto our road. And these drivers don't realize that kids walk to school and play on this road, so they're coming in at pretty high speed. So I forbid my kids to ride their bikes near the end of the road because of this, you know, but so far no injuries, but there's been some instances where, you know, it's a little, it's a little worrisome. Yeah, I've, I've seen similar stories going on in the UK where the trucks or lorries, as they call them there, are yes. cutting through some, you know, some of these rural towns and people are really upset about it and are asking the GPS companies to change the routes, at least for mm -hmm. the larger trucks. So, but, you know, hey, technology, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so my break outside of work was slow, which was just how I wanted it. All right. I did my best to tune out from all the non-essential. <laughs> I did some reading. So I finished a book called Offshore, which is about houseboat dwellers on the Thames in the early 60s, and Cat People, which is a short story about a really bad date. <laughs> then I started Akata Witch, which I understand has been dubbed the Nigerian Harry Potter. Mm. It's a young adult book. Yes, I read young adult hey, books. Hey, we all read young adult books. <laughs> and I'm really enjoying it. I also started South of the Big Four, which is about farming in the Midwest. No, which so it's not it's not the Big Four accounting uh, groups. No, okay. <laughs> no, it is not. That's it's a not. whole different story. Uh, <laughs> so this might sound dull to some people, but honestly, it's not. Uh, the author Don Kurtz has a real feel for people and the land in the story. Uh, that and I'm learning a lot about farm equipment, which you know could come in handy one day. Hmm. <laughs> it's like, you guys, I have nothing to say about that. I have that. nothing to say about that. <laughs> also, um, I'm a bit of a holiday nut, so I'm always on the lookout to learn about a new holiday tradition or song or whatever. So I learned about Puerto Rican, air quotes, eggnog called Coquito which is, and you can look this up on the internet, uh, sweetened condensed milk, evaporated milk, coconut milk, spices, and rum. Mm, sounds like tres leches with rum in it. 
Yeah, I haven't tried it, but it does sound delicious. There is even a holiday song named after it. I think it. I've heard that song. It's really upbeat. It's it's about uh-huh. it's Christmas time, but it's about going and drinking. Okay. Yes, exactly right. <laughs> so so speaking of holiday music, um, that you know that's also an obsession, as I mentioned. And so sorry, apologies to any music fans. So I'm always looking for another unique holiday song. So this year I found Donde Esta Santa Claus, <laughs> which is so bad it's good. And it's by the, um, the Gusters. The Gusters, okay. okay. Gusters. And I also found an entire album, um, Bloodshot Records, 13 Days of Christmas. So there's lots of good stuff there, particularly The Pagans Had It Right by Devil in a Woodpile. <laughs> <laughs> and how to make gravy by all our exes live in Texas. <laughs> all right. Well, you know, speaking of gravy, one of the things that, and, and I, you probably don't have this in New Jersey, but have you ever heard of chocolate gravy? I've heard of mole. Uh, no, this is chocolate, chocolate gravy chocolate that they gravy. serve in the, in the deep South. And, and so I was in Mississippi visiting my mom. And one of the things they, they ask you when you get biscuits and gravy is, do you want white gravy, brown gravy, or chocolate gravy? And ch- and chocolate gravy to me. You must tell me what this oh, it's, is. It's gross. <laughs> I don't care, but I, I need to know. What, I'll, I need I'll, to know what it I'll is. send you the recipe. My sister actually sent me the recipe uh, last year, um, and I was reminded by it from you know a good Facebook reminder this morning. So is there chocolate in? There it? is chocolate in it. Yeah, it's like it's like a cocoa powder that's in it. So it's sweet. So not sweet. No, it, oh, it is, it is sweet. sweet. Yeah. But you serve it with breakfast yep. biscuits. It's, it's yeah. It, it, I, like I think if you really, really like chocolate, <laughs> and then this is... Well, I do like well, there chocolate. there you go. <laughs> it's not like, it's like chocolate syrup? Yeah, no, no. It's like great. It's got the consistency of gravy. Is there meat in it? Like meat juice? <laughs> I don't think so. But anyways, I... I all right, I, I'm going to read this. I'm going to read. Yeah, I'll send it to you. In, f- in fact, I may just post it on the show notes for every, I think you everyone have to else. Now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I got a little off track there. <laughs> all right, that's all right. Sorry, you know this is what yep. we do. Well, now that we've gotten everyone up to speed on our travels during the break, uh, <laughs> hey, you ready for some information inspirations? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right, here we go. So my first information inspirations is this American Life podcast episode called The Room of Requirements. There was three great stories about how librarians turned their library into the equivalent of Harry Potter's Room of Requirements, which is, if you've read the books or watched the movies, it's a room that you walk back and forth from and you ask it for certain things, like you need to, to do a an experiment or you need certain information, and then, boom, the door appears, you walk in, and everything you need is in this room. I need one of those. <laughs> we, we all need one of these. There was one of the three stories, I think it was the second one, was called the Brodigan Library, or it was about the Brodigan Library, which is a fictional place where unpublished manuscripts went to live forever. So it was based on the book called The Abortion and Historical Romance, and it was a 1966 novel by Richard Brodigan. Someone decided to make this place a reality, and it was 
fascinating to listen as the librarians make it happen and then they watch it collapse and then they watch it be reborn and i really cannot recommend this episode enough yeah you you directed me to this one right away it was great it really was good so as i I was always listening to the story it made me remember about a book that i read about nine years ago uh, called this book is overdue by marilyn johnson And in that book, there was a story about an archivist who retold a story of someone traveling a great distance to look at a single book in the archivist's collection. And the researcher that that traveled to to see this book was astonished that the archivist had kept this book, um, which is, you know, exactly what the researcher needed. And when the researcher asked, you know, who in the world were you keeping this book for, the archivist calmly replied and says, why for you, of course. It's been waiting for you. Oh, I love, love, love that. <laughs> so it was, I mean, it was really interesting. I don't want to give away too much of, of, this, of the Brodigan Library story, but there was one other thought that crossed my mind while listening to the story, and that was that the Brodigan Library is kind of a parallel to the modern-day KM collection or knowledge management collection. You know, it's a place where information goes to live and hopefully be found one day, you know, at that exact time and, and place that someone needs it. And I'm wondering if we could compile a collection of short stories which talks about, you know, how information was collected, how it was maintained, and how it was indexed, just so that someday someone would locate it and find the answer that they needed. Well... I think we're going to use some of that scary AI, bots, visual and physical identifying tech, stuff like that to, to do just what you're yeah. saying. Oh, 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 and apps. Don't forget Oh, yeah. Apps. Don't, don't forget the apps. So that no. that was my information inspiration. What do, you, what do you got? So my information inspirations are admittedly inspirational. <laughs> so things to keep in mind and practice in your life and things to use to inspire others. And the great thing is I got all three from listening to Reply All while I was running. <laughs> so you were definitely multitasking. I was multitasking, yes. So the first is, what is your cinch sack? Uh, this was a piece on the making of the drawstring garbage bag. And as an aside, it is more interesting than you think. Mm-hmm. One interviewee said something that stuck with me. As a developer, you have to see results before there are any. Now, I think those involved in information, KM, innovation, project management, pricing, and CI, among other areas, have to have this sort of vision. You have to see the way or ways your idea is valuable and can work and impart that vision to others. Now, Greg, you know my rule of thumb. We hear about a new tech or process, and then three years later, we start hearing about implementation. (laughs) So you got to keep at it. Remember, the trash bag industry thought a drawstring trash bag was impossible for a long time. And it's very hard to imagine that. Yeah, I I can't imagine life without a drawstring trash bag now. (laughs) (laughs) So my second inspiration Some of the Gimlet podcasters were discussing about working in the industry and they were interviewing one another. One of the guys said, and I'm paraphrasing, you know the first drafts always suck, but you still have to try. (laughs) Sometimes the second draft sucks too. (laughs) (laughs) And third. So, you know, besides being a good thing to say to your middle schooler, which I did, Mm. (laughs) it reminds me that quality is a practice and a process. 
I mean, if it were easy, everyone would do it, right? Yep. Yep. So not every idea or iteration of an idea is going to make the final cut, but the creative process gets you to your final cut. Yeah, that's that's good. I I like that that uh, you know the first dress always sucked, but you have to have to keep trying. So exactly yeah. right. So, and my last inspiration is also about the creative process. Again, one of the podcasters, in response to a question, told a story about Ira Glass, his old boss and the host of This American Life. Now, Ira told him, and again, I'm paraphrasing, things want to be bad. Your job is to keep trying to make them good. Mm. Now, not only did I think that this is something to keep in mind for work when things go sideways, it's also a pretty good rule of thumb for life. And I know I am going to keep that practice in mind for 2019. All right. So you've got your uh, New Year's resolution on... What was it? Things want to be bad, but your job is to make them good. Try and keep them good. Try and keep them good. I like that. I like that a lot. Thank you, Ira Glass. Thank you. So we come full circle then. We start with uh, this American Life uh, episode, and we end with uh, Ira Glass from This American Life. Hey, Geek and Reviewers. It's me, Marlene. I was just getting all the internet sites together for the next podcast and realized that I gave you some misinformation. I was talking about Reply All that I was listening to to get all of the uh, the references I had in episode 23, and it turns out that it wasn't Reply All, although I did listen to it. Um, it was Every Little Thing. So what I've done is I've just included all three links for your listening enjoyment. So just wanted you to know. Have a good one. Thanks to all of you, our listeners of The Geek and Review. Don't forget to click the subscribe button on iTunes or wherever you listen, as well as rate and review The Geek and Review so that others can find us. Your comments really do help others find us, so leave some nice comments, won't you? Please do. Also, we really want to hear from you, so tweet us at, at GayBauerM or at Glambert if you have comments or suggestions. Yeah, I noticed uh, we've had some listeners that have listened to the Echo devices. So those have showed, showed oh. up on the, on the stats. So, uh, hey, we're everywhere. <laughs> cool. Also, thanks to uh, Jerry David DeSicca for his original music. Hey, I wanted to remind our listeners that Eve Searles, who is a AAAL member and a research attorney, is the backup singer and keyboard organ player on Jerry's latest album. So please go out there and make sure you check it out. Hey, Marlene, it's good to be back in the new year, and I know we're looking forward to some of our upcoming guests. So happy new year. Happy new year. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye-bye. It's the Zoe Yuppies.